listening, Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Before we get started, are you thinking about joining the ranks of podcasters? If so, let me give a shout out to Blueberry, who is part of how this show is here today. They make it so easy with their PowerPress plugin. Each show is effortlessly linked to iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and more. Even better, they have five-star support with Mike to get everything humming along. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, and use promo code LISTEN to get your free month trial. In this episode, I'm talking with Romeo Dorsher. He's the director of education for DJI, one of the largest drone companies in the world. I think they have, well, a huge amount of the market, which he'll tell you about when we talk. Sounds like a pretty simple job, right? Like a pretty straightforward thing. But actually, his path to getting to that job is, well, it's exciting and interesting and phenomenal. But also what he's doing with his work is a pretty cool story. I mean, he's taking this technology and looking for ways to use it in humanitarian efforts that I don't think people have really thought of yet. And he's making it his life's mission, at least at this point. He's got many cool stories. I, I will tell you, we didn't cover the one about how, how we met or how he met my friend so that we could meet. And it had something to do with a reenactment of the Star Trek scene, something to do with Craigslist. And I think there's a little bit more to the story that we didn't cover at all, and I don't even think my friend told me. Either way, he's a man who lives by his passions and is always following something new and interesting. So with that, here's Romeo. Hi, Romeo. Welcome to the show. Jan, hello. This is going to be so much fun. You know what? I'm going to call this one the Jan and Romeo show. <laughs> it's going to be good. And I'm, I'm pretty um, pretty transparent with my listeners here. So I will just go out and say it that um, we are on round two. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because somebody, okay, me, um, didn't hit record. But you know what? It was meant to be that way. And so now we know what we're going to talk about. And it's going to be even awesomer. So the reason that um, you're here, Romeo, is because I heard about um, the work you were doing, that you have this amazingly cool job and passion about the work you're doing with drone technology. And for anybody who doesn't know anything about drone technology yet, it's really cool. So you need to check it out. So I thought you could talk a little bit about what you do, because it's pretty exciting. Like, since I've known you, you've been in Italy and Latvia and probably somewhere else. And uh, this is all in the name of your work. That's right. Yes, I'm. I'm really lucky to to have fallen into this, and I'm absolutely enjoying it. And so, for the listeners who may not be as familiar with with all of this drone technology, and uh, just hearing the term drone evokes uh, sometimes a, a feeling 
that may not be very accurate of what reality is. So uh, please allow me to give a little bit of background information. So what I work for DJI and DJI is truly the world's largest uh, developer and manufacturer of consumer and also commercial drones. And when we say drones, we're not talking about these big military airplanes that autonomously fly and, and, and carry out missions. We are talking about these small platforms that are easy to carry, to deploy, and that can provide us with a lot of different data sets. And so DJI has about 70% market share. So we are really the leading uh, entity out there. And about two years ago, I realized that this technology has come to um, mature enough that we can start thinking about deploying it in public safety. Because it was obvious to me that having that aerial view can help search and rescue and, and firefighting and so many other public safety entities dramatically. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with that? Because that's a really good idea. I mean, to give them well, that perspective, you know? It's, it's not a new concept. Uh, oftentimes, uh, especially when there is a wildfire or if there's a large-scale search and rescue operations, they utilize manned aircraft because mm -hmm. of that aerial perspective. But that's expensive. And uh, manned aircrafts are not always available. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, it's also too dangerous to use a manned aircraft uh, for a certain mission. Mm -hmm. So... It made sense to me that at some point, our technology that can be carried in a backpack or in, in, in a pocket nowadays uh, can easily be deployed and immediately give an aerial overview. And so uh, I wanted to really understand the public safety sector and see what are the challenges. How would a fire department utilize this technology? What would the challenges be and what kind of solutions could we come up with to really make this a very integrated tool that can provide helpful data to incident command? That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I mean, just being out there and being creative with the tool, with the people who will really use it. So how do you do that? Like, where do you go to kind of get the ideas and see what works? It, it is a lot of fun. It's, it's learning. It's really... Right. It goes all back to learning. My favorite thing, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. It is because it, it allows you to, to really talk with people and get mm -hmm. their perspectives. And what, what I did was I, I created a partnership with uh, the European Emergency Number Association, ENA, mm -hmm. E-N-A. Okay. And that is an organization in Europe. Uh, it's an NGO that, in essence wants to bring all the public safety sectors of the European Union country, member countries together mm -hmm. and, and help with uh, improving emergency service response. And so it was a logical mm -hmm. uh, partnership. And what we decided was we're going to create four pilot test sites and we're going to pick two search and rescue and two fire departments uh, from all of the member states mm -hmm and use those as our testing grounds. Okay, so, so who did you pick? Out, well, we put out a call mm -hmm. and we got uh, 45 departments that wanted to be part of this. Oh, so nice. 
the response was really big. And that was, you know, two years ago when mm -hmm. technology was still so new. I mean, it's still new today, but it was even newer oh, right. back then. So who did you end up going with? So we picked uh, four really great sites. The okay. uh, fire department in Copenhagen. Okay, fine. So Denmark, and we picked the search and rescue uh, operations in Reykjavik, Iceland. Cold, okay. Cold. <laughs> then the Donegal Mountain Search and Rescue Team in Ireland. Oh, that's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And the Wales Fire and Search uh, Services in, in Wales, so we there. If you look at a, a map, and I know uh, we we Americans are not always the best uh, <laughs> at geography, but if you look at the map of Europe, they're right. all northwest. Right. Exactly, they're yeah. all in environments where it's a little bit more harsh. So that was done on purpose too, because it's one thing to to test this technology in in you know Silicon Valley, where it's always beautiful and nice <laughs> weather and warm, but. You really want to do all of this in, in environments where, you know, it's a little bit more stressful mm -hmm. because the human element, even though this technology is already so smart and has so many autonomous functionalities built in, the human element is a big part in all of this. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to really test it under, you know, the under the, stress, the, right? Under stress. Or yes. even weather and environment. Yeah, exactly. So how did that go? Like, what kinds of tests did you conduct? Because I'm, I'm kind of interested in this. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's still ongoing. So the first year, uh, we did a, a white paper. We, we wrote about the first initial uh, experiences, the challenges. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we put down uh, uh, recommendations for departments that are wanting to start out with this mm -hmm. technology, what they should do, what they should look out for. So it was a really, really helpful project. Um, that has gained a lot of uh, international attention hmm. uh, because it was the first of its kind. And we did these, these four pilot test sites. They all did something a little bit different. Uh, in, in Copenhagen, um, they're using the drones for many of their fire and, and search and rescue operations because mm -hmm. of the aerial perspective. Um, in, in Wales, similarly, uh, they're, they're using a lot of the, the thermal camera that they can, that we can mm -hmm. put on our our drones to see hotspots. Um, that's okay. extremely helpful. Or during hazmat uh, situations, we can use the thermal camera to to also look at um, the situation of the hazmat incident, mm. uh, the gases. Uh, if 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 there are still if there's still liquid in in a container, for example, maybe you know a, a train uh, container has derailed and mm -hmm. they need to check uh, if there's a leakage. So with thermal cameras, we can do we can gather a lot of helpful information, and uh, in Donegal and Iceland, uh, we're really focusing more on the search and rescue mm -hmm. uh, operations and the creation of software solutions that can help search and rescue operations. So, have you found through this um, first round of like of experiments that you've gotten a lot of? changes back to the devices themselves, like where you've learned things that you want to enhance on the devices themselves? Absolutely. That was another big mm -hmm. uh, goal of the mission uh, because we we started out uh, producing these platforms for the everyday consumer, you know, for the person that wanted to create a fun video mm -hmm. of him skiing or bicycling. 
um, to the wedding photographer mm -hmm. that wanted to create, you know, that beautiful wedding uh, video or picture for the couple. So those were consumer items. And suddenly now we're using these devices in life-saving missions. And there were some limitations. So we wanted mm -hmm. to really understand what are the needs mm -hmm. and then use those learnings and build platforms that specifically can help fire department, mm -hmm. search and rescue, and even uh, law enforcement entities. And so just uh, a couple months ago, we announced such platform and it, it starts shipping uh, this summer. And it's really a dedicated platform for the more rugged use. Really? What's unique uh, about it? Well, there are many things that are unique okay. about it. So first of all, it, it's going to be our first uh, IP rated drone, meaning it, it has an IP43 rating. So it can be used in, in rain and in, in harsh environments. Really? Wow. It's so it's like the Jeep or the... the it's like the Jeep of the uh, the drones? Of, of the drones? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of. It's, it's getting that way because, yeah. because reality is when you do a search and rescue operation, most likely mm -hmm. it's not going to be a sunny day. Right, right. <laughs> so your platform needs to be able to handle the wind, the cold, wow. the, the moisture. And also for the very first time, we have dual camera capabilities so we can have a regular camera mm -hmm. and a thermal camera on the same platform. Ah. So the operator can pick and choose what he or she wants to see. And that is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. um, we have new capabilities from a software perspective to live stream uh, what the drone sees to an incident command that is either <gasps> cool. close by wow. or miles away. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, are any of these things that you're doing for this, you know, new rugged drone going to be um, implemented in the consumer versions? Like, if is it kind of going back like, oh, now let's add those back to the consumer because, I mean, not, maybe not the thermal one, thermal camera, but other things? Yes, absolutely. Because uh, uh, while they are very different verticals, there's right. some overlap. So, for mm -hmm. example, um, on the on the more public safety enterprise platform, we want to live stream the the footage to a command center right on the more consumer side we want to be able and we are able already to live stream to like facebook or wow. youtube so a person can fly the drone and live stream oh to his or her facebook page Are you serious not just yeah. like video capture but actually live stream it live stream it wow. and, and they do they do that today yes Wow. Oh, yes, I do it frequently. Okay, and I the need fun to see part that. Is, We're going to need to do you, that. <laughs> yes, we should. And then we can interact. You right. know, you can, you can comment on what you're seeing, and I'm seeing your comments as well. And I can talk wow. to you. I can give you, you know, feedback back via my voice while I'm flying. Are you serious? It's That's wonderful. crazy. I mean... You can't even, like, I can't even imagine that it can do that many things when all I think of it, you know, all I think of it is either, you know, a military device or a tiny toy. And it's super powerful. I like it. It is. It is super powerful. Mm. And it, it, it really allows us to see our world from a different perspective. Mm. But the interesting part about all of this is, Jen, that it also brings up concerns. And mm -hmm. that's that's good because 
when we have concerns, it, it makes us talk about it mm -hmm. and it makes us think and figure out how can we overcome some of those concerns. Of course, right. you know, uh, privacy is always a big concern, especially mm -hmm. here in the United States. Right. And, you know, by talking with each other, um, we can really figure out how this whole privacy issue works. And mm -hmm. reality is there are already so many privacy laws in place mm -hmm. that protect you from all the technology, not just one particular technology. Mm -hmm. So in essence, you and I were now inside in our own homes. Mm -hmm. We have a, a, an expectation of privacy. So right. if the drone were to be flying right outside your window oh, and looking yeah. into your window, it would violate that piece. That would, that would not feel comfortable. I can admit exactly. that. <laughs> and if a person was standing outside your window and had a camera doing the same thing, it right. would also violate your privacy. Right, right. And so you can't say, well, the, the drone is more invasive than the person. Well, that's, that's not the case. The, the law sees both mm -hmm. as violating your privacy. So there's already a law, mm -hmm. um, the peeping Tom law in essence, that ah. protects us from that. Is that the no official name? I don't know if it's the official <laughs> name, but that's kind I of like what it. we call it. <laughs> so, yes, uh, and of course, there's much more we have to do. But right. if we go back in history and we look at all the new technologies that right. came up, throughout history, mm -hmm. some were so new and different that in the beginning, we always had concerns. Right. And some we over-regulated them. Right. But again, by talking, by educating, and by figuring out how can we best utilize this technology, mm -hmm. we as a society found solutions. Mm -hmm. And this is going to happen here as well. We will overcome the challenges we currently have because there is so much good that can come from this technology. Right. Do you think that it will get to the point like cameras where every family will have one? Don't we already? I know, I mean a drone. Will everybody have a drone? I don't know. Because uh, I know, don't have a drone. So if you think every family has one, I don't no, have one in case stop. you wanted to send one, you know, my way. Oh. Was that a little hint? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally teasing. <laughs> I know they're like a little bit expensive. So um, not, all, not all of them. Yeah. So if actually, let's talk about that for a second. If I did want to get um, into the the hobby of droning, which I probably won't because I have enough technology, but I have people who probably will around me or maybe listeners. What what do you recommend that they start in with? Well, first of all, you know, if, if you really want to get into all of this, my recommendation is, you know, go get a cheap $40 indoor drone. Mm-hmm. It can be found on Amazon and just use it indoors to get a feel for what it does, how it operates, mm -hmm. what it feels like to move the control sticks. Because if you then upgrade to a bigger one, mm -hmm. it will be so much easier and so much simpler to, to fly these devices because the, our bigger platforms, um, they have all these sensors already built in from GPS, so it keeps position in the sky, to additional sensors to detect and avoid obstacles. And uh, it becomes a much more safer and fun experience to learn and fly these these platforms. So do people ever like, do they ever have them crash, you know, in a place where they can't actually get at them? You know, it... Crashes, unfortunately, do happen. And mm -hmm. the majority of times, it's it's operator error. Right. And well, yes, of course. I mean, 
<laughs> I have had crashes where I was on top of, you know, 200 foot tree and uh -huh. we had to figure out how to get the drone down. <laughs> it does happen. Um, how do you do that then? Do you like get one of your fire truck friends to come over and... Uh... <laughs> Well, at the time, we did several things. We we used another drone as a rescue uh, <laughs> tool. Um, we we hired a, cl a tree climber, and so yeah, we, we we've done it all. So, um, how did you happen upon drones yourself, there, Romeo? I had always loved technology, mm -hmm. and you know, living here in Silicon Valley, you kind of you know, are inspired by technology. And so what had happened was I, I worked on a, a really fun uh, uh, space mission. And um, uh, <laughs> one day my friend came over and said, He really did just say space mission. Let me just point that out to everybody. Yes, there's a NASA yes. story ahead. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, so my, my friend came to yeah. me and he said, Hey, Romeo, you, you have to see this device I just got from, from China. And so I went over, and uh, I had already flown remote-controlled airplanes, and oh. I loved it. So here's this device that had, I believe, eight, it was, no, it was six arms, mm -hmm. and the dome that was see-through, and there was all this crazy technology inside, uh -huh. and this radio, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, <laughs> I ordered this from China. Apparently, it flies really well. Mm -hmm. All right, so we went out to the park. And sure enough, it flew really well, but we just didn't know how to get it back down. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, so you guys were, were like typical men. You did not read the manual first. Is that what you're saying? There was no manual. And everything <laughs> or it was all in they China, sent was in Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> so there was nothing we could have done. But, oh, my gosh. But what's, what started was we, we both got more and more into into this technology. And uh, shortly thereafter, maybe half a year later, uh, DJI released mm -hmm. its, its very first consumer drone. And that was a huge step up because, first of all, you didn't have to build it yourself. Uh -huh. Secondly, it had so much more uh, technology already built in that made it so easy to fly. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I got exposed to this technology very, very early on. And, that, you know, that goes back five years now. Wow. Did we mention that you worked for DJI? Um, did we yeah, mention that? Yeah, I think that? we did. Work okay, good. And that you're director of education for DJI. I just want to make sure we point out that very important fact. Okay, so go on. So you guys, so then DJI came up with one. Did you get one, the first one that they came out with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We both did. <laughs> And at the time, I just asked that. that I just asked that for fun. Actually, I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> well, I could yes, tell. I could tell that was coming. Okay. So uh, yeah, we did get it, and it didn't have a camera on it. Those those devices didn't have a camera, so we had to get one of our action cameras and, and put it on there. Oh, okay. And and just fly around, but we couldn't see what the drone was seeing. So oh, wow. we had to go home, take the SD card out, put it <laughs> in the computer, and then we would be looking at the footage. And trust me. It was mind-blowing. Really? Because even 30 feet above, mm -hmm. everything looks different. Because if you think about it, for 100 years, we've been using handheld cameras, and we have been taking these pictures on a, an eye-level perspective. Right. Like I, I've seen some of the drone pictures, well, yours, and on yeah. Instagram, and it's just breathtaking. And it's like a whole, it's like the earth is a whole new place. That's what it feels like. 
Exactly. And, yeah. you know, four years ago, when you posted a, a drone picture mm-hmm. on, on Instagram or on Facebook, people were going nuts. I mean, you right. could have taken a picture of a garbage can <laughs> on the air and you would have gotten a thousand likes. <laughs> and now you got to go like get sunsets and stuff like that. It can't just now be. Now you have to be creative. I know. Yeah? <laughs> But there are, there's so many. I think I follow about 10 people. It's amazing, the the photographs. And yours especially. Oh, my gosh. That last trip you were on, that river, sunset. Oh, man. That's beautiful. It is. It is. And so, you know, luckily, I also enjoy uh, the artistic side, the aerial mm-hmm. photography. And uh, I, I do a lot of really fun projects and, and workshops, uh, helping people with their not only flying skills, but also aerial photography skills. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. Is that through your company or is that something you do freelance? No, that's also through my company Mm. because, you know, that was our original purpose to Mm. help people with their artistic desire and let them, you know, explore what's possible. And, uh, and I still do that, not as often, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm really busy with, with my first responder and humanitarian project. Um, but I, several times a, a year, I do uh, classes and workshops, and mm. I love it. Well, you're very good at it. So they're getting some immensely great training. So good for yeah. them. Okay, yeah. so where did we miss here? We, we did skip around some things. I think the word NASA was mentioned at some point here. We didn't go back and talk about that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, well, tell everyone what that's about, as I, as I see your whole background of your NASA days on your, in your office there. Yeah, so that was uh, um, almost 13 years, some of my best years um, working on, on a space mission. I mean, that was always something I wanted to do. Uh, remember the, the space shuttle Challenger incident when it exploded I do. Uh, right after takeoff? Yeah, that was uh, horrible. It was so sad. It was horrible. It was it was an extremely sad day, and and for me, um, it started something that I had had not imagined because mm. I saw this rocket that is supposed to carry people to space, and it exploded. And I wanted to know everything about mm. it. I wanted to know what caused it and what happened, and you know what can we learn from all mm-hmm. of this. And at the time. You may have detected an accent. <laughs> you know, I usually always say I'm from South Chicago, but people don't believe me. Yeah, we didn't get that. We didn't buy that one. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, 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 that accent thing. Uh, I grew up in Switzerland, and I was, you know, on, in the east side of Switzerland in a remote part, and there was no internet at that time, and I was trying to learn what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so I was writing letters to NASA, asking for information and of course you know several weeks later i would get a response <laughs> back and so it was very a long-drained research project in essence but that sparked my interest in in space exploration but they actually wrote back they did NASA, dear nasa question 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 and they wrote back they did and uh i wonder uh, if they would do that today you know, they they do, but in a different format. You know, right. if you ask NASA on social media, uh, they they are trying to respond back. Mm. They are trying to help educate. Uh, it's just in a different format. Right. So, what did you do with that? What? How did that change you? Getting that information. Well, you know, it it really sparked my interest mm. in in science and and space. And I also realized that 
if I stayed in Switzerland, I would probably become a, a chocolate maker or a watchmaker <laughs> or a banker. And actually, I was on the path to becoming a banker. That's really it, right? Everybody in Switzerland is one of those three things. That's just like Absolutely. me. Like, I think everybody in L.A. is an actor, right? So that's not the case. No. <laughs> not quite. It's, it's a generalization, but it, it, is, it is very, very close. Um, just so guessing. I knew that yeah. in order for me to work on a space mission, I would have to make a big move. Right. And so I did. And you chose I, the U.S. Good going. chose the U.S. and I came to San Jose and I was um, 21. And I had to start at the, at the bottom again. Um, I had a great education in Switzerland. I finished. I, I, I was a banker. I was a banker. I was an investment mm. banker. I did my military service. I had everything that I needed to be successful in Switzerland. And here I am in San Jose, California, <laughs> working at the movie theater, selling popcorn, <laughs> cleaning bathrooms. Uh, one time I was chasing a snake that got loose in the movie theater, chasing out a couple that was making passionate love in the backseat area. Oh, so bonus. Okay, go on. <laughs> so yeah, my sweet 20, 21, 22 years of age, uh, it was quite an experience. And they also sent me up on the marquee to put the movie titles oh, on. Oh, remember that? Oh, my gosh. Huh? And that didn't last long because my spelling at the time was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of mistakes. So send the foreigner to put the titles up is what you're saying. <laughs> Swiss, what could possibly go wrong? Too funny. How, by the way, what languages do you speak? Or how many? You can go. Well, you can go at that either way. Yes, yes. So uh, in in Switzerland we have four official languages. And, four in uh, Switzerland alone. In Switzerland oh, alone, there are four languages. Yes, oh, yes. Wow. Because you know it's it's in Central Europe. It's surrounded by by German and Italian and French, and so those languages we have in Switzerland as well. And then we have Romanish, mm. which is uh, in essence a mix between Latin and Italian. And it's spoken in my part of Switzerland. And these days, only about 50,000 people speak it. But it mm. is the fourth official language, and we had to learn it in school. Wow. And so, uh, um, yeah, but English at the time wasn't taught in school. Oh. So I actually, when I was 14, uh, I came to San Jose, California for a summer to go to summer school to learn English. Oh, wow. And uh, that's when I kind of fell in love with, with this ah. whole idea of moving. Right. So you were set up. You had it all coming. The English in, in San Jose and the space shuttle was all setting up this path for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To so be at the movie theater. <laughs> the, the movie theater. And then, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I had another job that was quite interesting at a little fasteners and, and screw and nuts distributor <laughs> here in San Jose. That does not sound fascinating. That that <laughs> it wasn't fascinating, but the people were fascinating. I really? had this 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 boss that had a wooden leg, and he sometimes would take off the wooden leg and, <laughs> and use the bottom part to put his coffee cup on. Wait, wait, wait! You're just making that up, right? I I, I am not, I should I should be writing <laughs> a book. These are not made up stories. A wooden leg takes it off to use it to hold his coffee cup. Yeah, wow. and. And there was one morning I, I, I had an early bird and I got in very early. It was like seven o'clock and he was just about to do a line off of his foot. And uh, I startled him and he blew it all into the carpet. And of course, he was really upset. And 
Was that your last day at the um, screw and nut and bolt store or shop? No, no, no. It, uh, it, he then sold it to a bigger company, and uh, you know, it was it was quite an experience. And at the time, you know, I, we didn't have email. I, I mean, I had email, but my parents didn't have email, and so I was writing letters home. Uh, explaining what I was experiencing here. And I'm pretty sure my mom was, uh, was a little worried uh, at, at all the things that I was going through there. <laughs> oh, the wooden-legged boss, boy. And then NASA. NASA came after that? Well, there were, there were a couple of things in between. Um, you know, you gradually you know, move up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, got a, I got a really good job in Silicon Valley uh, being a global program manager on a, on a desktop computer project. And mm-hmm. that really allowed me to acquire a lot of skills that I would later need uh, in, in other jobs, especially mm-hmm. at NASA. Um, and then after a couple of years, my job was moved and I could choose to go either to Thailand or to mm-hmm. Chicago. And neither was um, appealing to me. Mm-hmm. So took the severance pay and I decided, you know what, I have a year to myself now. Let's do something that I had always wanted to do as well. Mm-hmm. And that was work and tour with a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? I saw that coming, totally saw it coming. Like that's what that would be the natural progression, right? From from you know, from movie theater to to the nuts and bolts, to a rock band. That is the natural progression of things, right? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. If you follow your passion. Right. And, I love yes. that. Now, wait. You know that more than anything, I want to tour with a rock band. In fact, I saw um, Danielle Laporte was touring with a rock band a couple of years ago, and I'm like, how did she do that? So now I have you here. I can't really ask her. I don't know her very well. But I can ask you, how do you get to be touring with a rock band? What's the secret The secret sauce for that? <laughs> well, in, in my case... Um, it was a lot about if you believe that you belong somewhere, um, you, you make it happen. Hmm. And so what had happened, one of my favorite rock bands just happened to be in town. And I put on some black clothes, I had some lanyards laying around. I had a walkie-talkie with an earpiece. Mm-hmm. And I put a file, a dossier in my hand. And uh, I went to the venue. It was in the afternoon. And I walked straight in. I walked backstage and I pretended to belong there because I looked like a roadie. I looked right. like I was supposed to be there. Right. And I found the production office. I went inside and there was nobody there. So I sat down and waited. <laughs> and probably half an hour later, this guy walks in and he looks at me and he's like, okay, what, what are you doing? Who are you? And what are you doing here? Right. And so I, I made my case that, you know, I'm here and I would like to see if there's an opportunity for me to work. And he asked, <laughs> how did you get here? And I said, well, that should already be a reference for me, a positive <laughs> reference that I made it to. Long story short, they did, they did have an, an actual need for, for an individual, and uh, um, I had to start the very next show. Wow. And so we, we did exciting. a few more shows. How exciting. How exciting, though. It was, it was very exciting. We did a few more shows in the U.S., and then we went over to Europe, which at the time was a great experience because Europe, uh, this particular band, we, we were playing in these 50, 60, 70,000 people stadiums. Mm. It was it was just the most amazing time, the craziest time of my life. 
um, I didn't do anything bad. I didn't do any any drugs or drinking. I was way too tired because <laughs> you know you, you work all day and then at night and then you travel uh, to the next destination. You live out of your suitcase. Right. Um, it's it's not a it's not a glamorous life, but it is an amazing experience. Right. You know what I love? I'll tell you this. I don't. Uh, I, the thing I love the most about rock concerts because I really love I love going to see live music, and even though parts of me don't like the large crowds the way I used to, what I do like about them is just absorbing the energy. So if you're like, when I go to a rock concert, I'm like floating out of there about two, about about two inches off the ground without any alcohol or drugs. But I go to like a athletic, a football game or something like that. And because half the people are either pissed or sad, I get like really, like I soak that up too. And I feel kind of crummy. It doesn't matter who wins to me. It's just, I always feel like bad, you know? Um, but boy, a rock concert. Oh, that's so much fun. That would just be that part, the high alone. I wonder yes. if that's part of what it is for them, is just soaking up all that mojo. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and they 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 feed off of it. Right. And you're right. If if you're into music and if you're into that particular band, you know, it really energizes mm-hmm. you and it brings you to a different level. Right. And I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Right. Um and so yeah, that that was a great experience, and uh, and I came back and and I then ventured into you know this whole space science business. <laughs> That's a really normal pivot. I want to see how many LinkedIn um, you know accounts have a pivot from toured with rock band <laughs> to NASA. Seriously, I bet there's zero besides yours. I would bet. I would bet. I would bet money on that. I don't know. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> So how does one um, go from uh, rock band uh, tour person to NASA? How does that happen? Do you need to Look, make, uh, know a guy or how does that go? Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely right. It, you know, it's these days everything has to do with, you know, who you know, being mm-hmm. at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and also letting the universe know um, what you would like. Mm. There is there is no harm in letting your friends and family and and pretty much everyone you know know that hey i would like to accomplish this do you know anyone mm-hmm. because chances are that somebody in your environment knows mm-hmm. you know the sister of the brother of the cousin that could potentially get you in touch with the right people nice i uh, i ended up uh, working at at actually at stanford university the the project oh. was out of stanford university so i had the best of both worlds i had this amazing mission that i was working on and i was on one of the most beautiful campuses mm. um so i really had the best of, of right. both right so since you seem to have this uh magic about this can i just put it out to the universe that i would like to go tour with a rock band so the next time you do maybe you could take me with if they're a good band, maybe. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, on the flip side of that, I don't really want to go up in space. So we're okay with that. All right. <laughs> All right. So NASA, DJI, and then, but I think there's a theme here. Like everything that you went after, which is what one of the reasons, which is why I wanted to talk to you. Because you really have this passion that you just follow. And how, like, is that how you've always been since a little kid or... Said, well, I guess so, since you were writing NASA when you were in school, probably started there. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I really have to credit um, my parents and especially my mom. Um, mm-hmm. She always encouraged me to to really do the things that I wanted to do. 
And of course, sometimes they were in conflict with what she had in mind, <laughs> you know, but there, you know, you, you, you have to use judgment. I mean, mm-hmm. of course I didn't want to do homework, but I had to do homework. So right. I had to do certain things, but she was very, very supportive of all of the things I wanted to do. Like when I wanted to learn English mm-hmm. and I said, mom, I would like to go to America for a summer. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, you're 14. You, you should be old enough. And I was going by myself. I was traveling by myself right. and she would encourage all of that. Of course, you know, somebody could say, oh my God, that was so irresponsible. Well, you know, maybe a 14 year old in Switzerland has a different level um, of matureness than a 14 year old in another part of the country. I, I don't know if that plays into <laughs> it as well. But, um, you know, we were always brought up to to be, you know, mature and, and, mm-hmm. and, and respectful and responsible and make good decisions. So it was it was just great. And and yes, you're right. It is. It really is about following um, your passion and your mm-hmm. interests and, and not just you know, wishing, because if you just wish upon something, the likelihood for that to happen is, is very low. Mm-hmm. But if you wish and do something about it, you're increasing your chances dramatically. Mm-hmm. And your environment is also very important. Like I said, if you, if you put out the call to the universe that mm-hmm. this is what I would like, it's okay to ask for help. Right. Somebody may be in a position to offer a recommendation or a piece of advice or give you an idea and then make it happen. Mm. It's so true. It's so true. I, I honestly yeah. so. On whatever scale you're doing things. I mean, you have some pretty big scale things that you did, but uh, I think on every level you can use that method, that method of that approach of you have a wish and you take action. You have a wish, mm-hmm. you talk about it. Like, um, I wanted to be a podcaster. And so I, I talked about it for probably a year before the show hit the hit the airways or whatever. But it was all these people showed up and helped. You know, all these people that had talents that I needed to get it launched were there just out of nowhere. It's pretty cool. See, it, it yeah. does work. And, and yeah. yes, it may not always work, sure. Right. There were things that I wanted to do that I didn't achieve. And that's okay, too, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, you, you, you get used to all the, you know, successes along right. the way. It, it sometimes needs a failure again to put things into perspective. Right. Um, so it, that's okay as well. But you're, you increase the likelihood of achieving something dramatically by being more proactive. Mm-hmm. Even baby steps, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't always, even if you can't get the the big thing all at once, but you know that's the direction you're going, even the smallest action in that direction feels like, yep, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know what? Another thing is it doesn't always have to be the shortest distance to get something. Right, you know? right. Sometimes you have to take a detour. Sometimes you have to do something else in order to get to where you really want to go. And that's fine as well. Right. So um, two questions I have left. One is, um, what is something that you admire in another person, either a characteristic or a talent that you think, like like you can't ever see yourself doing, but you wish you could? Or, yeah. That's a good question. Um, and, and I have to go a few few years back in time here. Um, oh, we're time traveling now? Is that a NASA thing too? That's a NASA thing, yes. Awesome. <laughs> so... You know, coming 
growing up in Switzerland, uh, if the listeners don't know a lot about Switzerland, it's a very, very organized country. You have rules, you mm -hmm. follow the rules, um, you're on time. In fact, if you're on time, you're actually late in Switzerland. <laughs> um, it's very structured. And so you have a very methodical thinking. Uh, you plan ahead and you follow through. That's, that's the thinking of the Swiss mentality. And of course, that's very, very generalized. But mm -hmm. overall, that's, that's how your education goes. That's how your, your work is, is being evaluated. And of course, that, that translates into your, your everyday life, that you're very organized. You need to know step by step what is going to happen, what are the plans. And so when I came over here, um, I was very, very structured and I was way too structured. I did not fit into this looseness of, <laughs> uh, of, of this environment. You know, I didn't have the flexibility. <laughs> and uh, I met one of my best friends, Mark, and I was amazed by his ability to not plan and just get things done. Hmm. And so in the beginning, uh, it was really difficult for me when we would do things together. Um, I needed to know what was happening. Where would we go? Uh, where are we going to be staying at? You know, do we have a rental car? I needed to know all of this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, I started to learn that, you know, let go of all of that. You, you, that doesn't mean you don't have to plan it. That doesn't mean you don't have to book it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't need to know everything. Mm -hmm. And so I started to become much, much more relaxed thanks to, you know, his extreme of a mm -hmm. personality of just going <laughs> with the wind. Right. And I really admired that. And, and these days, what I really admire in people is when, when they can be honest and direct. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to be, you know, mean or, or uh, you know, bad spirited but if somebody can give me honest uh, feedback mm -hmm. and tell me um, something that was good but also something that could be improved I appreciate that so much because I think that's getting something of a lost um, art in a mm -hmm. way because we've become so oversensitive with each other that mm -hmm. you know even though somebody may want good feedback um, we're not providing that all mm -hmm. the time just so we're not hurting that person's feeling. Are you good at that? I, I'm learning. I'm mm -hmm. learning. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's something that doesn't come as easy for us here. Mm -hmm. uh, when you go in, into other parts of the world, it's it's very normal. They're very direct. Right. Right. And so it 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 it, it has to be adjusted a little bit to our standards here. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like I, I, like personally, I think I'm pretty direct about all the good things about people. Like I'm really open. I'll say things, you know, uh, I'll like a waitress or something will be at my table and I'll be like, oh, you know, you have the most beautiful hair I've seen ever. You know, and I'll just say open things like that to people in complimentary ways. But I'm not as good at saying mm, this thing. I didn't like it so much, you know, uh, but I'm getting better at that better at it but yeah it's a tough thing for me i'm not really good at that yeah. and, and and we should all do a better job at that because you know it's one thing if we do it to a waiter or a waitress mm -hmm. uh, or not do it mm -hmm. but you know we are in friendships and right, in relationships right. and sometimes you know it could really help this other person if we 
just had the courage to to word it a little differently. Is there something that you're going to want to tell me after the show? Is this what this is about? Like, I, you know, some... <laughs> Do you have some criticism on the show? Is that what's happening here? No, we're, we're not going to talk about the fact that you didn't hit the record button. <laughs> oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's go on to a new topic. Next question. Um, so the last question I have for you is, since you do seem to have you know, quite a few passions and they sort of pivot around to different things. What's the next thing out there that you aren't doing yet, but that's like sort of like kind of tapping you on the shoulder going, hey, 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 we're going to want to do this next. Do you have anything like that? Um, you know, when, when, when somebody in an interview asks me, you know, what, are, what is your three-year, five-year, ten-year plan this to me is one of the most useless questions in general mm -hmm. um, because it is extremely difficult to to answer that in in any way appropriate except if you say you know what I'm flexible enough to take on whatever comes my way at mm -hmm. whatever time it comes my way and that's reality because I would have never thought mm -hmm. I'd be here either on your podcast or mm -hmm. working with drones or working with astronauts right. or touring with a rock band. I would have never thought all of that. So I don't know what's next for me. I don't want to think about it because I know something will come along the way and I will say, oh my goodness, this looks interesting. Maybe I can do something with it. Right. Very good answer. And let me, let me, um, reword the question <laughs> what i meant is you know how like one day you were interested in drones because your friend had one you were like wow these are really cool is there mm -hmm. anything like that right now that you're like oh this is really fun to play with or exciting me or lighting me up like if it's a place or a thing anything like that <clears throat> anything new? well you know there's I've, I've been very very fortunate to go and visit some of the most incredible places mm -hmm. Um, with some of the most fun people and the most intriguing and coolest gadgets. Right. Of course, there's always a time when I think, oh, I, I want to do this again. And if I can do it again, I will do it differently and I will do it better. And maybe I'll do something bigger. Um, but nothing right now that mm. has taken my attention away from my purpose of incorporating this drone technology into ways that it can help people that right now is my big passion and i want to stick with it as long as i can until yeah. i see that hey it's being used now it's time for next challenge well we are lucky that you're the one doing it then because with your persistence it will happen definitely thank you i hope so i yeah. hope so so um since we're still on the show and it's getting recorded i wanted to ask i'm going to be out in california in a couple of weeks are you going to be able to give me a drone demo absolutely if if you're out here um we'll make that happen all right deal we'll try to get a little uh extra clip for the show the on that yeah. yes. <laughs> i don't know what that means but hopefully that's good okay oh, yeah, the, 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 the control sticks <laughs> let's let's clarify that we'll get you onto the control sticks with okay. your hands so i you can, can do that i can well i actually don't know if you're going to want me to um operate the drone because 
Yeah, I'm not known for my grace with things like that, <laughs> but I, we'll I give it a shot. Feature. Okay. Oh, good. Okay, Romeo, I have one more question for you. I was wondering what is your definition of success? Jane, that's a really good question. And I have to think a little bit. But see, um, the way I look at all of this is the definition of success really depends on each and one of us, the way we see things. For me, it means I am successful as long as I feel that I'm not successful. Hmm. And okay, let me you elaborate. need to explain that. Yeah, I need to understand yeah. it better. The moment I feel successful, I feel like I have accomplished all. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start to slow down. That's when you start to mm-hmm. sit back. That's when you start to not challenge yourself to be better or faster or smarter or funnier or whatever the case may be. So as long as there is still that slight feeling of I'm not quite successful yet, mm-hmm. you keep going. Right. So being unsuccessful is my definition of success. And that also means that ultimately boils down to happiness. Mm-hmm. Everything else, in my opinion, is so secondary to happiness and health. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have either or both of those, um, everything else is really just secondary. Hmm. That's a good definition. I haven't heard that one before. I like it. Um, oh. Mine, if you'd like to know, is yes. I, and it's not my own, it's not original, but I liked it so much that I decide that I use it. So it's that... The more minutes of the day I spend doing things I love to do, the more successful I am. So it's not about money or about a lot of other things. It's really about that I'm feeling like this joy and flow in the things that I do. And and for me, it's never about, you know, what, what I enjoy doing. I think I, I might have mentioned this one time or another. I really love being productive. I love producing things, whether it's creating the show or, you know, growing flowers or traveling or writing or you know somehow doing something versus not doing something like I'm not the person that hangs at the beach for a week and just like can lay around I just can't do it it's not my thing so anyway the more the more minutes in a day that I'm spending doing what I love and and the less minutes doing things I really don't want to do that's success I I really I like that as well I think that's that's definitely also uh, something important because Mm -hmm. I I, seeing it for myself if you know there are always things that you have to do that you not enjoy as much mm-hmm. right um that's part of life you right. know if it's emptying the dishwasher to you know giving somebody bad news or even right driving in traffic those are the things that you have to do they're part of life mm-hmm. but all the rest you have a lot of power and a lot of choices in mm-hmm. how you invest that time so i really like i like that a lot i have mm-hmm. to think about that a little more so my trick for um, the dishwasher is playing loud music and dancing while you do it. That makes it a lot better. And my trick for being in the car is I listen to a ton of podcasts, a ton of them. Do you have any good ones you could recommend? I do. Thanks for asking. Um, so my favorite, favorite right now is Chris Gethard, um, Beautiful Anonymous. It's super cool premise. In fact, if I would have thought, it first, thought of it first and had some uh, people to help me, I probably would have done it, which is... Anonymous people call in, and the the computer picks who goes through, and um, they talk with him for an hour about whatever they want to talk about, and he has to stay on the phone with them for an hour. 
Wow. I know. And they never say their name. So they can they talk about they talk about some stuff, you know. Like I don't think I could do it because I have this feeling people someone I know would hear me and they would know it was me. And so I can't do it. So I'm gonna have to keep all that stuff locked up. But um uh, the other one I really like is the Good Life Project. And I can't think of his name. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. I think it's Jonathan something. It's pretty new for me. But the Good Life Project, he is I aspire to his style of um, interviewing. It's kind of cool. So I'm listening to him a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Well, I I really like uh, This American Life, which mm. um, is, in my opinion, such a great storytelling mm-hmm. podcast uh, that really brings a lot of different perspectives together. I, I enjoy that a lot. And then, of course, you know, I, I, I listen to... Uh, uh, the, the drone podcast and commercial drone FM that, that are more uh, industry specific for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can learn, you know, what others are doing. Um, but definitely this American life is one that I truly enjoy. Ah, <sighs> this was so much fun. How about you? Uh, hey, it was great. And you know what? This was actually really, really good because it was very spontaneous. Uh, we did a dry run <laughs> thanks to uh, not hitting the record. Are you bringing button. that up again? We're still recording, you know. <laughs> well, that's, you know, we, we need to embrace these little things. And I thought this was this was the best because uh, actually, if I look back now, our conversation mm-hmm. turned a little bit different from the, from the first unrecorded version. Yeah, I think it was a little bit more like your friend Mark. Yeah, see? Yeah, little, see? Just somewhere out there. Yeah. So, okay, so if people want to find your work and what you're doing, what's the best place to find to find you? Okay, so um, since I love doing aerial photography, uh, I, I post uh, pretty much daily on my Instagram uh, account. And, of course, I also put some on, on the website. So that's definitely one of the best places to, to look for me. And um, my account on Instagram is visual aerials. So that's one way. I would, rec- I would recommend that. Go check that out. It's stunning, stunning. Please do. And, and, and yeah. you know, leave a comment if you see something you like or if you have a question. Mm-hmm. I love interacting. Um, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Romeo CH. Um, I talk a lot about drones on Twitter. And, and once in a while, I, I give an opinion piece. But that <laughs> has gotten a little bit more rare. <laughs> Well, on Twitter, how do you give an opinion piece? You only have 142 characters. Hey, that's enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, social media has really done a few things. And and of course, it it has also maybe changed society a little bit as well. But it has really allowed us to tell a story Mm -hmm. and to share the story. And it's, I love following certain people to to see their story, to see their thoughts, to see what their eyes are seeing. From that perspective, it's wonderful. Yeah, there's so much out there that's really beautiful. Well, thank you for joining me today, twice. (laughs) (laughs) I got it in that time for you, so you didn't have to say it again. (laughs) It was my absolute pleasure. And uh, hopefully, you know, if if, if listeners have comments or feedback or, you know, want to ask questions, I hope Mm -hmm. they have a way to to send you some information and questions. Uh, I think this is a great topic and I love to be uh, engaged in, in, in any sort of discussions. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be fun if people are interested, if people put in a comment 
I know you can't comment on the website, but I think you can message me there uh, or anywhere on the other social media. We could get like, uh, wouldn't it be fun to have an open forum, just a conversation, like open up an open Facebook or something like that, a Facebook Live and chit chat yeah. about drone technology and what people are doing with it? While flying the drone, yes. While flying the drone. <gasps> that would be so fun. Okay, we have a plan. Okay, well, thank you again, and I will talk with you soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. There were so many stories that Romeo had to share with us, and we didn't even get to all of them, not to mention the ones that were in the lost, unrecorded interview portion of the show. Um, what I really learned from him, though, for me personally, was that I need to do more research on my guests before I get them on the show. I thought I already knew a few things about him that I heard from my girlfriend, and I was focusing on those. But after I got off the recording and I did a little more research and prepping to put the show up, I realized he has done some things that were just magic. So he was part of a Good Morning America episode that took drones into the largest cave discovered in Vietnam. And just the just watching that and seeing what that experience was, the climbing, the hiking, and everything that went with it. But he's also been part of an effort to map the Maldives Islands so that we can keep track of them and how climate change is affecting them. He's doing good things. It's pretty amazing. Thanks for listening. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.